what do you mean I don't record a pod? Got nothing better to do. What do you mean I can't pay my bills? Why do you always think I'm broke? Huh? And welcome to the newest edition of Thunderdome Mental Reviews. As always, I am Ben Lindsay, and with me is Cloaca Metal's Tracy Newport. And as you guessed by that terrible intro, we are doing Megadeth. It's 1986 second studio album, Peace Sells, But Who's Buying? How are you today, Tracy? Pretty good, pretty good. I feel like we can call this instead of the Summer of Love, the uh, 1986 tour of Madness and Thrash, because uh, we're doing this our second album forward, and we've talked about doing the other two up soon, so... Yeah, I mean, technically the Anthrax album didn't come out till the next year, but uh, I didn't want to for us to, in a, the still in our first year of recording the podcast, touch on the Big Four's 1986 albums, which are generally considered one of the best years in metal. Agreed. I think if you're a metal fan in general, like the four albums, I guess with Among the Living included from ninety from '87, are some of the pillars that everybody kind of looks at to and points at, considering greatness. Yeah, and um, those of you who listen to our Keeper of the Seven Keys podcast remember Buck, who, from Thunderous Voices, in his metal blog, I've been in talks with him about doing a Class of 86 written album reviews in which I'll touch back on Metallica and this. And there's about, mm, there were a lot of albums that came out in 86. And so, uh, you know, majority of them were thrash, but there were also some early doom stuff and like candle mass came out that year and there was also releases by judas priest iron maiden and black sabbath for the old guard so you know that's going to be a series of articles that'll come up there and this kind of ties in nicely to that um and so i just wanted to get these thrash songs which are were more my speed back in the 90s and even today uh, out of the way for this podcast because i love this kind of metal as do most people. All right. Before we get into what you, our thoughts are, let me just go over some of the particulars. As I said, this came out on September 19th, 1986 on Capitol Records. The band lineup at the time of this recording were Dave Mustaine on guitars and vocals and songwriting, David Ellison on bass and backing vocals, Chris Poland on guitars, Gar Samuelson on drums. Of course, Chris Poland and Gar Samuelson would not make it past this album, um, they were fired shortly thereafter. The total runtime on this was 36 minutes and 18 seconds. And what were your first thoughts of it, Tracy? Um, I've liked Megadeth for the better part of going on. God, was it 2002 when I first really got into metal? Uh, one of my first introductions to metal was actually more specifically the Crushem Bill Goldberg entrance from yeah. the Universal Soldier promo, and I think it was what 97, 98. Something like that. And that was like one of my first introductions to metal. And so I know who Megadeth has been for a long time. So I'm going to go ahead and say this now. As long as I've been listening to Megadeth, my three favorite albums by them were actually the three early 90 releases with Nick Menza and Marty Friedman. It's from Rust and Peace to Euthanasia and yeah. Countdown to Extinction. And like I always felt like those three were better than anything else Megadeth released, like that group setting, uh, in my personal opinion. And so, actually, for a long time, I was not a big fan of Peace Sales, but who's buying? Like, I felt like it was good, but it wasn't the phenomenal greatness that everybody considers it. I know 
I, I need to get my metalhead card taken away, I guess, because <laughs> definitely breaking against uh, the going against the grain on that one. But as of lately, I've become to appreciate it more for what it is as to opposed to what I wanted it to be. Because you find out more about the history of this album and just the copious amounts of fucking cocaine and heroin that they were going through during the writing of this. And that even they were shocked that this album turned out remotely as good as it did. They just kind of put it out there and was like, oh, I guess we have something here. So considering that, I, I've i gotten more appreciative of this album and kind of what it means for thrash in general and what it helps bring across. Because you have these, as we talked about with the class of 86, you have these bands in Megadeth, Metallica, Anthrax, and Slayer to where thrash, in a sense, has to grow beyond its early beginnings that you saw with Kill 'Em All, uh, Killing Is My Business, This Business Is Good, This Full of Metal. Like you start to see it kind of grow and mature outside of the really early punk new wave of british heavy metal roots into something of its own and you start to see that with these album with this album here with master of puppets rain and blood and among the living so like i've come to appreciate this album more than i did when i was younger hmm. oh man uh so my initial thoughts um of course i've been listening to this a lot longer than you because i'm uh, roughly a decade if not more older than you uh this was probably the Peace Sales is probably the first Megadeth song that I heard. And although I don't think the first album that I really listened to was Rust in Peace. So two albums from now. And I think the same with me. Rust in Peace was the first Megadeth album I bought. So. Yeah. Um, with that said, you know, going back and listening to this, I love Peace Sales. I, I love that bass line. I love the video for it, even though it's kind of, well, it's, it's not rest in peace cheesy, but it's still a little cheesy looking back on it. Hearing the intro of that bass line on MTV News back when that was a thing, and MTV was actually good and not dirt water like it is now. So I, I, this band and this album have been in the background for me as a metal fan for a very, very long time. And I think we have to remember that this is only their second album. And I like it. I mean, the shorthand for it. I think that they are rough. The sound isn't as polished as it is by the time they, they get to Rest in Peace, although that is also another round of lineup changes, as I'm sure people know, because the next album, So Far So Good So What, has a different uh, guitarist and drummer than this one, as I mentioned earlier. And then we get the Nick Menza and Marty Friedman lineup when Rest in Peace comes together. So for a band that was in transition and with the drug use that you mentioned, I was really impressed by this, and although the, with the inevitable comparisons to Metallica that always have to go, it is not Master of Puppets, but it's not as far off as I think a lot of people think. I I agree with you, and for me personally, I feel like Megadeth at their peak is better than Metallica by far. Agreed. So like they have higher highs than Metallica. I feel like younger me seeing this album, I didn't notice it. And I think that might have been attracting for him is the unpolishedness for it. And now I've grown to understand what that stands for and appreciate the sound and enjoy it some as well, because you don't get this. You're getting a very raw aspect of it from these guys instead of the overproducedness that you get in a lot of their 
late 90s albums there that's just i mean dave was saying the times that they were artists showing up at the recording studio that he didn't even know the name of that were being put on the album on a on risk and cryptic writings mm-hmm. and so like i feel like you begin to appreciate that the rawness and that the rawness that dave mustaine and co come out with and peace and sell but who's buying and i think that's an aspect of thrash that really sometimes gets overlooked because you because of its punk heritage and its roots in punk like i feel like it needs to have a bit of more of a a rougher tone to it and a rougher sound quality than say peace of mind by iron maiden where you got this nice clear polished sound yeah yeah no totally um again keeping it with their their peers and i think we'll, we'll be doing rain and blood fairly soon within the next few weeks um that and this sound closer together than either one of these production wise sound to master puppets they're that rawness that you're talking about that punk aesthetic there's a little bit more of that aggression not to say that master puppets is a very heavy and also very aggressive it's just the it also sounds to me much slicker produced so the 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 tonality vibe is just slightly different there um and to me this album covers a wider range of tonalities and concepts in the music than master puppets does i will agree with that and i would even say that the concepts that this album deals with are a little more real i don't know if that would be kind of the way to say it or not but like these guys are dealing with real issues in their life and what they're seeing going on in the world as opposed to like master puppets which time i feel like it's like i feel like part of it is like it does have that more polished sound which makes it seems kind of more fanciful well it's also the lyrical content because dave has always written more about politics than metallica has um not that metallica doesn't have a couple of songs with political overtones but i mean peace cells is straight up devil's island i mean that is a song about the you know the prison island that the french military used to send people to good morning black friday and there's also like some straight up personal things that he's revealing like wake up dead is about him sneaking into this house with a woman that he was living with when he'd been out cheating on her and afraid to wake her up because he knew that if he did she would kill him you know so there is a lot more of himself in the lyrics than the same era metallica yeah i would definitely agree with that and they weren't bashful about hiding their drug and addiction problems at the time it was known and everybody knew it and you could tell that they used this as a sense of an outlet as well for themselves on that yeah well i mean you know infamously dave was kicked out of metallic for his drinking habits and the fact that he would be a, a total dick when he was drunk you know gar samuelson and chris poland are then kicked out of the band this band after the second album because of their own addiction issues so that really i mean it's kind of like the old joke that when dudes like slash and it's telling you that you have too much of a drug habit or drunk too much with steven adler that you have a problem and when dave mustaine is telling you you have addiction issues well especially in 1986 you have addiction issues yeah i do think you won't ever see really dave mustaine on the side of his writing anymore Considering he's been sober for years now, I think for the most of this century. Yeah, and, and he's gotten all Christian and refusing to play a couple of songs live anymore just because of their concept and what they're dealing with. 
Well, one but, of those is the conjuring off of this one, although he has recently played it live in concert for the first time in probably ten years or something. But like Black Magic I think is or Five Magics is never coming up. Is that it? I think it's Yeah. Five Magics. And so and this earlier day you see his writing dealing more on personal issues with himself. I think his aspects in his writing has taken a much more political nature to it in recent years with Dystopia and Endgame. We can just skip over Super Collider. That, that album didn't ever exist. Yeah, no, I told him. He, he's, not that he didn't write political stuff before, but I think he has umped the political um, content significantly. So what are some things that you didn't like about it? Other than the fact that you didn't really appreciate it the first time through what about now um now i enjoy the roughness of it i dislike i actually kind of dislike the shortness of it because this album i know it's thrash and get the funk roots but it's i mean this fucking thing's over in the blink of an eye i mean you're like here we go oh and uh like i feel like you with elfson his bass is on point for this album and you see that disappear i think on more on later on in later albums like he kind of becomes more the rhythm piece instead of a very significant part i mean i haven't listened to a lot of their 2000s output um after 2011 2012 i kind of got back into the band but risk was the last album that i i bought until then and uh i kind of disagree with that because i think throughout up until risk which i don't even know if he was still in the band at that point because i know for a while there he was he was out of the band um, I thought his bass parts were very intricate. Now they might not have stuck out like on peace cells, but you know, well, yeah. Holy War Two and stuff like that. I mean, there is some really intricate bass riffing on and some that's, of the other. That's probably what it is. Is it's not as prominent in the mix. I think is a better way to say it. Yeah. But uh, I think he left the early 2000s and came back after United Abominations. That sounds about right. So that was 06, 07, something like that for that one. So I think around 09. And they got an argument over rock royalty rights and shit, you know. Well, I mean, you know, and Ellison has been very open about the fact that when he rejoined the band, he was basically, he was no longer figured in the same way for the cut of the royalties and all that stuff because he was a hired musician, not a writing member of the band. So Megadeth is just Dave Mustaine. Well, I mean, it kind of always was. So if you listen when I talked earlier, I mean, and I don't know the truth to this, but I've always heard that Mustaine wrote the bass parts. Whether he did or not, I don't know. Oh, I didn't, that is a I didn't that know I've that. Heard. Like, I always figured he, like Ellison and Dave Mustaine, probably had significant writing parts shared together. But I vote everybody, I mean, you know, really, Megadeth is Dave Mustaine's band, and you can like it or get the fuck out. That's about my understanding of it. Um, but back to this album things i didn't like i didn't really have much to hate on the second go around it was just i think my first listen through it and i think i probably had the same issue with killing is my business and business is good is that i was used to the more polished rest in peace countdown extinction euthanasia and you're getting a much more rougher tone with these and i enjoyed that more this go around than i did previously i do think i kind of did not like the final track on here like i feel it feels a little hokey. It sounds a little hokey to me. My last words. Like, I felt like it's like a Dolly Parton cover or something. I don't know. 
So my mouth just goes to that when I hear it, and I'm just like, because no, is my boots were made for walking. They covered on their first album, or at least on the re-release of it, and I still can't get over that. <laughs> okay. What did you not like about this album? Well, it wasn't that I didn't think of Dolly Parton on anything. Um, <laughs> hmm. Things that I didn't like about this album, I do think that the the song writing is not as strong as it will become, and yet, so there are some, you know. Whereas I think all the the tracks on the album are good, I think only a couple of them are great. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know how much of that has to do with the the drug use or just Mustang being stretched thin because this is '86. Uh, their first album came out in 85. A lot of the stuff, I mean, we talked about it on the Master of Puppets review when we talked about it. You know, that that was the first album that may or may not, depending on who you listen to, have had stuff that was written by Mustaine too. So, and that was Meta- Megadeth, Metallica's third album, excuse me. And so it, you kind of get the fit that it, although he is prolific, if he has all that much stuff for what is essentially to four and a fifth you know albums in what is essentially three years it kind of gets to the point of he probably needed to take a little bit more time in between to fully flesh out ideas more yeah i will i'll agree with you on that one and you can you hear them talk about their writing process on this or his at least and i mean they were either in the studio recording sleeping or high in some shape form or fashion or fucked up like there wasn't much of a break for him and you could tell or you probably get the idea that i mean that's a rough life for anybody and they i think they all stayed in like a house that was owned by the record company and they just kind of in and out throughout the day throughout the night and just out of their mind when they when they were awake and so i mean i'm pretty sure they're probably hitting that rope and they were kind of shocked by the success of this album itself yeah. Like even he took it. It was like, uh, wow, I didn't know this album be doing as good, because they end up having some like limo ride to go, and they're surprised to see the limo there. And they're like, oh, we didn't know we were doing this. Well, I mean, Ellison has always said that they could tell in live shows that this was going to be a hit because of the reaction to Peace Sells. Yeah, and looking at it, I feel like Peace Sells is head and shoulders the best album on the. The best, best track. track. Yeah, I'll get there eventually. The best track on this album compared to the rest. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's by far my favorite track on the album. Um, and I, I, I do think there are some other good ones, but it, it does stand head and shoulders. I mean, it's, God, it might be, even today, several years later, their most well known song. Part of that because of the, the use on MTV News, but it's just so iconic. And even though it was written fuck what this is uh it came out in 86 so even even if you wrote it in 86 that would be 30 something years ago 33 years ago yeah i mean impressive impressive piece of writing yeah and i think part of it is my issue with the album is that megadeth everybody knows peace sales but who's buying and like it's for a second, I felt for a while there, I'm pretty sure I believe or felt like it was overused in the sense it was every fucking where. And I know on Vice City, this was one of the songs included on the soundtrack for their hard rock station. And I think part of it, I think, is just the oversaturation of this song comparatively when anything discussed in Megadeth. I think 
kind of threw me off and kind of made me frown upon the album because I mean I feel like albums overall like I feel like they had other stuff that was should have been worthy like it's oh you you'd hear P cells like a three to one ratio of three P cells for every one other mega that song on the radio or any kind of like popular media deal maybe I don't know I, I feel that uh, Symphony of Destruction gets close um. But I can see that, you know, and I, I the comp to that, because the, the, there are songs that are like that, but the song for me that's like that isn't even a Megadeth song, so I don't really want to go into it that much. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's the inner Sandman principle. I was like, holy fuck, talk about overplayed songs that I used to love. But I've never reached that point with this song. I think that might have been it for me as I hit that point with this one. Yeah. And I think I hit that point with Metallica overall. (laughs) Like my first five years did it for me. Maybe. I don't know, dude. I can still remember how pumped you were the first time we went and saw Metallica live. So that wasn't that long ago. Uh, I know. I was fucking head over heels. But it's still, it takes a bit more for me to be like, all right, yeah, I'll go listen to. Their first three albums I'm always game for and just for all for the most part. But anything after that, I've got to be in a mood for. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're kind of already talking about songs, um, even though you think it's overrated, you said the Peace Cells was the best song on the album. Are there other tracks you like or tracks well, you dislike? Peace Cells, I think, is yeah, it probably is the best song on that track on the album, but even though it, I feel like the oversaturation kind of makes me feel a little more grumpier towards it, like yeah. I do enjoy Wake Up the Dead and Good Morning Black Friday. Like I enjoy those two tracks a lot as well. So, I mean, I think it's just the oversaturation kind of like I liked it before it was cool, but now it's cool. I don't like it no more. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be right. that aspect, being a hipster kind of like thing of it. But Metalheads has got to be their um, snobby Uber latest. Yeah. So I think that might be it. But Peace Sales is definitely the best track on the album, but I still enjoy Wake Up the Dead and Good Morning Black Friday. Uh, not a big fan of my last words. The Dolly Parton cover, as you call it. I just I get that image in my head when I hear it. It's, <laughs> what about yourself? Um, as I said, I don't think that there's really anything bad on here. Uh, Wake Up Dead, I think it's a good opener, even though it's close to my least favorite song on the album, just because something has to be the least favorite. But The Conjuring, I really like. Peace Sales, Devil's Island, Good Morning Black Friday, Bad Omen. I think that that those five tracks are very good. Um, in sequencing, I kind of wish they were all on the same side of the album, uh-huh. because, because then we would be talking about, man, that is a really solid album side, kind of like we, you know, when we talked about, again, going back to Master Puppets, how that first side of Master Puppets is probably the strongest album side in, in middle music, or uh, up there with them. Um, but that also makes the entire album more listenable, I think, because the, the good songs are spread out. Yeah. The, the I Ain't Superstitious Willie Dixon cover is not great, but I give them a lot of credit for rearranging it and doing something different with it. My Last Words, I think, is serviceable as an album closer. I don't hate it. I think it is often overshadowed by other songs in that vein that he's written on other albums. Mm-hmm. And I can think you can trace their development back to this. Uh, Tout Le Monde, um, the In My Darkest Hour, which I both of those I really like, and I can kind of I can kind of see the thread from my last words to those songs. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Um, and we talked about this a little bit when we did Halloween, 
about the remasters and re-releases. And if you want to know a band that is criminal in their amounts of re-releases and remasters, Megadeth, fucking quit your shit. Like, <laughs> like I think every album has a, at least three different remasters or re-releases that are floating out there. Yeah, probably. I don't know how much of that's them and how much that's the, the various labels that they've been on. Although, like, as I've said before, this is an album that I own on CD. Mm-hmm. But I actually just listened to it on Spotify, and let me look and see which version it was that I listened to on Spotify. Because it was, because there are two different versions of it on Spotify. Yeah, you have the, the. Go ahead. You have the remastered that has the Randy Burns mix on it, and then you have the 25th anniversary that has the live concert at the end on a second track with it. Yeah. And it was the one with the Randy Burns mixes, which were the original mixes, because he was the original engineer. That's a lot I went with. I didn't listen to any of the Randy Burns mix. I just listened to the remastered ones. You should go back and listen, because there's actually a significant difference in the sound. And part of that is just they just cleaned it up a little bit, but it it feels even more, uh, for lack of a better term, live, or if you want to say punk, um, just the way the mix is done by Randy Burns. Okay, yeah, I could definitely... I'll definitely do that because why not? Uh, no, I'll go listen to the music minutes, anyways. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I don't think. But I mean, I know. I'm just stumbling over myself now, but I know with like the Capital Punishment years, that was released the uh, best hits of up to '98, I think it was. That was released because they had to do a one more record for their label deal that they had and that was when he fucked up his nerves and his arm for and he didn't know if he had to play again so he released that album to f- succeed the record label and i mean there's four best of megadeth cds out there or best of records yeah, out there probably more than that actually because there's like a this is megadeth and megadeth's greatest hits and yeah um you uh what is the there's a one that just got released like last year too it like is Warheads on Arma- Foreheads. Yeah, Warheads on Foreheads. I knew it was something to do with like an arsenal. I ended up buying one of these. I actually had a couple of like uh, add-ons to it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find it now. But they added a couple of new songs that never released on it. And it's not on here. But they did it in Greatest Hits Back to the Start. Uh. Released in 2005. Like, I think there's a couple of uh, new songs on there like kill the king i don't think was originally released i think that was new on that one but i mean they they are prolific in releasing shit regardless if it's remasters albums best of yeah and i'm looking forward to their new album whenever it comes out because you know they're rewriting something down (laughs) they can't be in this time period like as political as they are there's too much shit going on for them to be quiet yeah, I would agree with that. I'm sure that he is working and writing. Um, I know I want to see him live again. I certainly hope that they release a album soon. Even though I think they released one like other than that Greatest Hits. I think it's only been a couple of years. So, um, they released Dystopia was their last album release, which was around 2016, early 2016, because we listened to it when we went to Baton Rouge. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, you know, I'm old, so three years ago feels like two years. Um, <laughs> Yesterday. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so awesome. I hope they do release something, and you're right. I mean, they have a, a bunch of different versions of their albums out there, so find the one that you like. You, you shouldn't be hurting. And I've, I'm pretty much, I know the ones when I go back and listen to, like, Rust in Peace, Countdown and Extinction, and Euthanasia. I do the 2002 remasters, because that's the ones I had when, or the 2004 remasters, because those are the ones I owned when I had a physical copy of it. 
and that's what I'm used to. Sure, that makes sense. And I'm just an idiot. And <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where would you? What would you give this? Oh, what would I give this? It is by far not their best work. Um, however, for a second album, I think it shows a lot of promise. It has one of my favorite songs of theirs on it. Everything else is pretty good. It is amazing the consistency and sound that they managed to carry with all the lineup changes before settling on what I consider the classic lineup, which is the same lineup you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, for all of those reasons, I'm probably going to give it, uh, not probably, I'd give it a B plus. Okay. For me, going back and looking at it, and I'm like, I'll probably give it a B plus too. And my reason behind it is, we all gave Sabaton a B, and just to being a solid album. I think this album is more iconic and more trendsetter than, I don't want to say trendsetter, but it's definitely more iconic and more deserving than Sabaton is. And I think it is a better overall album than Sabaton. But I don't think it's their great masterpiece that is sometimes often tagged with this album. So I will give it a B plus as well. Yeah, I, and I can understand your reasoning there. I, you know, I'm going to throw a little bit of support into Sabaton because I think that is a very fine album. I think it very much deserves to be, and I'm not a power metal fan. I'm a thrash metal fan, so I like this better than I like Sabaton. But if it was reversed, I might like the Sabaton a little better than this particular Megadeth album. Um, so part of that is is open to subjective taste, but I agree with you. I, I do think this is a better album than that one, if for no other reason than it hits the, the stylistic stuff that I like. You know, I like Angry. This is an Angry album. Um, it has elements of the occult in it with The Conjuring and Bad Omen. So some politics with Peace Sales and Devil's Island. A cool blues cover. I'm satisfied with this album. This album, if I were to go back to 1986 not knowing what Metallica or Megadeth's future was, I keep doing that today. I don't know why. Um, but if I were to get this album in 86 not knowing what Megadeth's future was, I would be satisfied and would be looking forward to what the band's output would be, which is easy with the hindsight of how good they become in two albums. But even without knowing that, I would be excited. Agreed. And even, you know, looking back on Megadeth, even with their couple forays with Risk, Super Collider, and a little bit of cryptic warning, like, Megadeth is nothing but consistent in what you're getting from them. Outside of, like, those three albums I named, I don't think they have a bad album. And those three albums are pretty much standard, or everything else is pretty much standard Megadeth quality. And any fan of these 80 thrash is going to be satisfied with what they're hearing from those albums. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I, I don't really have anything else to say to you, Tracy. Uh, I do not other than mega death. <laughs> the tour of 86 continues rolling on. Yep. Vic Rattlehead for life. Second best uh, mascot to Eddie and all of metal fight me. I don't care. 
Um, <laughs> thank you for coming to our sanguinary sect of worship and joining us for this review of Megadeth's Peace Sales, but who's buying? What do we got next week, Tracy? Next week, we have the 2018 album release of Huntsman, American Scrap. American Scrap. Cool album title. It is. They're a nice little, I don't want to say indie band out of Chicago. Well, not indie, but they're they're a smaller band out of Chicago. Yeah, they're a small label band. They might even be indie. I don't know because I don't remember right now who the what label they're on for that album. But we'll talk about that next week. So there's your cliffhanger. What label is Huntsman's American Scrap on? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and see you next time. Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Huzzah!